We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Now, the last time that I was on an airplane watching Onboard Entertainment, obviously before COVID smacked us in the ass face, I don't know, graced us with their their presence, (laughs) I was curled up like this little nugget, shamelessly watching sexy scenes of Hustlers with (laughs) J-Lo. And if you haven't watched the movie, I honestly cannot recommend more highly as a powerful piece about the life of strippers and dancers in gentlemen's club scene. Now, there's a lot going on in this movie, and a lot of it is very Hollywood. (laughs) But really what inspired me about this film was the challenge to the image that we hold of this archetype of the prostitute and of the sex worker. The person who basically throws a wrench in the concept of feminism and human rights, socially framed as victims or slaves of society and the patriarchy, could it be that women and men and other gender identifying people desire to be here in this work? Like, is it possible for them to be empowered workers who are owning their bodies and sex and for the benefit of our society? And how could sacredness exist in this dimly lit corner of a strip club? And that's what we're getting into today with the author and sex worker, Lana Shea, expanding the concept of sex work to be seen as a potential for sacredness, a gift, and an expression of personal agency and power. But before we get to Lana Shea, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for giving me reviews on iTunes and writing me these sweet little messages of how Eat, Play, Sex podcast has been a catalyst for your sex life. It's really my pleasure and I get so excited. So if you haven't already, go to eatplaysex.com and get my sexy guides to help you up-level your sex, love, and vitality. And when you get a chance, get be a doll and write me a little review because this helps me to gain points in this podcast stratosphere. And I just love it. (laughs) Now, I am so thrilled to bring to you this sexy little kitten over here, Lana Shea, who is just going to sprinkle us with all the wisdom about sex work and about um, personal agency. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lana Shea. Mm, Thank you. All right, Lana, before we dive into this interview, I like to warm up my guests with a question to get the juices flowing. And are you open to this? Are you ready? Let's do it. (laughs) So what was one of your most awkward sexual experiences that you can share with us? Ah! Oh, gosh. And I'm going to go for, hmm, I'm going to go for a, a super vulnerable share on top of it. Of course it is anyway. I'd have to say it was being at a play party in the San Francisco Bay Area. Ooh, this is our and, Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the first 
times that I was with a woman uh, as an adult. And, <laughs> and something that happens for me a lot when I'm experiencing a lot of pleasure or, you know, love making and a sexual experience, I just, it's like transcendent. I go into a trance. I'm just completely enraptured and I'm, it's like, I'm traveling to another dimension. I'm just like eyes closed, you know, somewhere else. Yes. I've had people like, where, where do you go? I don't know where I go, but it's good. <laughs> um, and I'm with this woman and you know, we're doing our thing and I'm laying on the bed and she stops and she goes, Hey, am I going to do all the work? I'm just like, um, okay, this is awkward. Well, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. She's like, you're such a pillow princess. I'm like, again, this is oh a God. moment. What? This is a moment. Um, yeah, so that's when I learned what a pillow princess was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I, actually, I did know what a pillow princess was, but I'm definitely not <laughs> one of them. <laughs> generally I'd have to say generally I'm not either it was just that moment and she yeah you know what though I, I feel like there's there's so much shame in that statement like why can't you just lay back and fully receive like we why do we have to feel like we have to be the giver as well you know if the you know, we can fully advocate for ourselves and our pleasure and say you know what actually right now I really want to receive I would love to be able to reciprocate to you later maybe but right now I'm just in it Exactly. And this is something I've practiced. I haven't always been able to receive, but I've gotten to a point where I can and it's good and I love it. And yes, please. Yes. Proud pillow princess. So Lana Shea, you're such a phenomenal human. Um, you're, you're both a tantric practitioner as well as a thought leader on conscious relationships. And you've worked for over a decade as an exotic dancer in gentlemen's clubs all across the U.S. And what I was really inspired about you is how you blend these tantric sacred practices in with the sex work that you do. And I'm super fucking stoked. Like you've co-authored a book on conscious love and now you're working on this new book that's coming out probably later in 2020 called Erotic Hustle, which is redefining sex through sacred sexuality. And I'm, when you told me that, I was like, mm, snap, snap. Yes. Let's bring that in. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> how's Such that, an easy how's topic. That? Oh God. Yeah. Erotic hustle. Like who doesn't want to read that? Like give her like five stars on the Amazon Yelp review. I don't know. I just wanted <laughs> two companies together, <laughs> but how exciting is that um, in your process of writing that book? Like what? Yeah, it's, I'm actually editing it right now. I'm in that process right now. So I'm in the book. I'm it's fresh. It's alive. Uh, thank yeah, you, COVID. Yeah, and it goes I, into, I, it, I've gotten to read. <laughs> okay, so there might be a little delay here. <laughs> so maybe you can tell. <laughs> 
I think many of our listeners have an idea in their mind about what sex work means. And I saw the movie Hustlers that I was talking about with J-Lo. And uh, I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody else is curious, is that what it is? Or can you give us a little insight into what sex work actually is? Like, how do you define it? I love that I am in this process of revealing and coming out as a sex worker, as an exotic dancer. And here comes along this movie, Hustlers. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, okay, should I watch this? Should I not? I have to. I have to because this is my industry. And when the film began, the whole beginning was, it was exciting for me. I loved it. And it was, I was watching it while I wasn't dancing so much. It was, I think I saw it right before um, quarantine life. And (laughs) it, it felt good. I felt like, all right, this is an accurate depiction of what's really going on in gentlemen's clubs. It was just fun and, you know, playful and that sexual energy was, um, you know, between the women, it's just this, like the camaraderie that's created in gentlemen's clubs. (laughs) I miss that. It's fun. However, as the film went on and it turned into some dark, crazy, Those women were doing things that I have never, ever seen in any gentleman's club anywhere in the U.S., anywhere I've worked. I've worked all across the country, and that movie was insane. Uh Uh, Maybe it's happening like that, but I'd have to say that most of the women that I've connected with, specifically in Vegas, were in the dressing room pulling cards before we go on the floor and like like, pulling cards like what like tarot cards like yeah oracles like (laughs) what are we talking about here hell yeah tarot cards (laughs) (laughs) wow so so how would you define what sex work is then and how did you find yourself getting into this line of work yeah when it began when I was 22 quite some time ago, over a decade ago, actually, there was a very different draw for me in getting into this work. And of course, it had a lot to do with the money. As a young 20-year-old, I was thinking, how can I make money as much as I can possibly make as fast as I can so that I can go travel the world and do all the things? Sign me up. And exactly, right? Uh, It was just so appealing in that way. And now what it is to me is a practice and it's a, an outlet for bringing my, my wisdom and my gifts and everything that I've learned in my life to uplift people, which is probably the last thing people think of when they think of a sex worker or a stripper. Uh, Yeah. I'm going in to, to uplift there's this preconceived idea of sex work as being something that's shadowy or disempowering for women, but you're describing it as something that's, that's bringing the light or empowering for you. So what has your experience been like? Yeah, I believe that when I first began stripping, it was, there was some shadow work for me and there was some darkness and I, also thought that stripping was 
kind of like the movie Hustlers, you know? I had this idea of it and I went into it with that idea and that conditioning. And then as I continued in this environment and brought in my own work, my own practices of yoga and meditation and plant medicine work and tantra and all of that, I saw the opportunity to create a sense of empowerment and also found other women who are doing the same thing. So as I began to move into this environment with the, the filters that I had, I started attracting and seeing other women who are doing the same thing. Despite the fact that there's still, there's still a lot of that going on. There's still that shadow. There's still women who are not empowered in that environment. And it's not necessarily something that goes hand in hand with the environment. It's that's everywhere in the world. So it's mm -hmm. just a microcosm of what's going on on the larger level. Mm. And so when you say shadow and you say what's going on collectively in the world, you're referring to, um, you know, uh, patriarchy or um, um, sexual abuse or trafficking or that sort of using using sex as a way to overpower somebody or um, maybe help me up with that. Right. All of those topics, all of those topics that you just listed and, and women going into that work because they feel powerless or they don't have any other option or they are coming from a place of trauma or sexual abuse. And then also that whole objectification and manipulation and all of those things that are wrapped up in it. And those, I see those all as opportunities because a big shift can come from that environment because it's there. It's not going anywhere. And it's, you know, it's been around forever. Yeah, it, it has been. It's been such an ancient line of work that's existed through, you know, millennia, right? Of Like we even read in old history books or um, even the Bible, the concept of prostitution or sex work. And, um, and, and that's, that's, or I guess what, hmm, what do I want to say with that? <laughs> um, how, how did you transform or transmute it from the shadow into more of this, you know, um, lighter or empowering, um, attitude? I mean, I think many of people are like, how can you actually change something that's been so ancient, that's been so around for so long and has such a negative, um, view, socially a negative view around it. How do you transform that yourself? Mm. That's such a good question. For me personally, the transformation was happening in my own life. And that was part of my life outside of the club. So I brought what was going on in my own life into the club. This, you know, waking up to feminine power. And I believe that sex work is, is sacred. And it's this it's this incredible opportunity to use this really powerful energy to bring more light into the world because sex work is light work. I really do believe that because sex is light. Sex is light. I love that. What do you mean by that? Sex is light. And how do you bring that to, to such a dark and shadowy, potentially shadowy world? Mm, if I'm going to get into some 
you know, wooey, esoteric, metaphysical language and, and dip my toe into the, the whole tantric path. The, the path to divinity, to God, if we want to say it that way, source, you can call it whatever you want. Yes, I said the word God, but it's, it's sex can lead you there. Sex is a practice that can be spiritual and it is if it's honored in that way. So that's the same thing in, inside of the club, just because, you know, it's in a, a dimly lit space with people, you know, drinking and it's pushing in the shadows and there's all these dark aspects of it. That sexual energy is still light no matter what. Mm. So by you coming in there with an intention of holding yourself as powerful and as uh, with this intention of sharing that light or healing other people, it, it transforms your work. Is that kind of what I'm getting at? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how do you make, and I'm sure people are like, well, how is stripping, how can stripping be sacred? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Because what if there's other energies or other attentions of, you know, your audience there that don't see it as sacred? And of course that exists exactly. And that's why that question would come up and that's, there's an opportunity there to navigate that because like I said, microcosm, it's, it's just the microcosm of every, everything anywhere in the world where there's this, you know, darkness, there's that opportunity to, to navigate it and to show people the light within it. Um, I, <laughs> I don't think that every single moment and every night of me dancing, I was fully in alignment with my highest self doing light work. I mm-hmm. do believe that there were moments where I was just playing something out. Um, what do you mean by that? Playing out my own shadows. And also just enjoying the performance aspect of it. And there's so many elements to it, you know? Uh, out, when you say playing out your shadow, what do you mean by that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are like, I don't even know what, what that even means. Shadow. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the darker aspects of that sexual energy, just like fulfilling my own my own desire to express what couldn't be expressed outside of that environment. What's not socially acceptable. Mm, And then learning to do that there, you know, just like all of the, the sexual energy and like fetish, the idea of fetishes and like, you know, sex is so taboo and it's like so shamed in so many ways. So bringing all of that into the club and then seeing where, that could be transformed and then also claiming my power in it and saying like, there's no shame there. Mm. So like finding how to transmute or to alchemize that shadow um, and that shame. Mm -hmm. So by really embracing it and saying and owning it and claiming it as yours and your expression, it changes the, the shame, the power of the shame that had potentially been held in you from these socially constructed ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Do you remember one, do you have an experience that you've had that you can recall that was very transforming for you in the, in your, in this line of work? 
maybe a moment where you felt really empowered or where you felt that shift happen from shame to, to um, self-empowerment? You know, I don't know if I can pinpoint one. Well, actually, yeah, I can pinpoint one specific experience. Um, and I have received some interesting criticism for it um, from sharing it in the past. And it's also in my book um, because there is a substance involved, which is also something we can touch on. Uh, someone came in on, as many people do, on MDMA, ecstasy, which I think most people know what that is, right? I think your, your audience probably knows what ecstasy is. Maybe, maybe not, but yeah, ecstasy, <laughs> pills, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's something that, a substance that induces euphoria, and it was something that was created for marriage counseling, actually. So the couple would take it, and they would fall madly in love with each other again if they were having some sort of issue. So you can imagine when people take this, they're they're really, they're happy. They're euphoric. So they come in and they're super sensitive and like all of their senses are heightened. So one of the, the customers came in on MDMA and uh, I was not aware until after we had gone back in the champagne room uh, and we had this really deep, intimate conversation for hours. Uh, and it was about, you know, how... He wanted to change the way that he lived his life. And I was just expressing to him, you know, how incredible of a person he was because he was sharing with me his whole history. And it was a very, um, just like connecting with a really good friend. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really, wow. So having that moment where you would, that's pretty surprising that somebody would be so vulnerable in front of you at a strip club. This is something that happens a lot. Strippers are therapists, basically. We're oh just therapists without the degree. Oh, I'm doing the wrong job. <laughs> okay, so he's opening up to you. He's telling you all about his struggles, his challenges in life. And then what? Yeah, it was a really beautiful connection. And I really enjoy being with people who are on MDMA because I have my own deep experience with it. So I... I want to uplift those people and like have them. It was exciting to just have an experience with him that was positive. And he said over and over, I didn't expect for this to happen at a strip club. And like, I thought I was just going to come back here and like get aroused and get a sexy dance and whatever. And now I'm like feeling like I want to change my life and Mm. (laughs) I'm in love with you. Of course, that's part of the whole experience too. (laughs) The part of it, it is not, this is just like the the small piece. The bigger part of it was when he sought me out some five or six years later in a different club in a, in a different part of the country and said, I needed to reconnect with you because that experience changed my life. And everything I do has completely changed since that moment. Wow. Um, and I think, I think that was like, that was the divine moment for me. I was like, okay, I can stop dancing now. <laughs> okay. So that, that, because that made you feel fulfilled. And I also, I figured that if that had happened with him, that if I always carry that same intention, that that probably happened with other people too. 
and I didn't have their information. So it wasn't, it wasn't like they could come seek me out somewhere else, you know, it wasn't like I could confirm that. Right. Right. And so there's, again, this lends to this idea of intention, like what are we holding and, um, allowing that to influence the experience of what uh, what unfolds there so this can be really healing especially if somebody is holding that space like you are you're holding this space for this guy you're being very present to him and yes you're dancing you're providing a beautiful art for this person but you're also you know holding that space of non-judgment and such a vulnerable environment where so many things can come up and be activated. And I can imagine that that just transforms for a person where how often do, do people just sit and be present with us to hear us? Yeah, absolutely. And that is also a big part of my book. And, uh, I recorded a video for the book campaign, um, it was over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And the biggest point in there was presence. And I think that people are, I really do believe that people are coming in the club looking for that and they don't realize it. And that's what they're really paying for. Mm-hmm. They're paying for that presence. They're paying for someone to hold that space for them. And they, they might not have the words to articulate it or even the understanding of it, but after they get it, they realize that's what they wanted. That's what they were craving the intimate connection. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing about your book, cause I, I got the honor to read your book ahead of time. Yay. Go me. And in throughout the book, there's some really fun, playful interactions with you and the other women that are also in the same profession, which is such a, you know, behind the scenes, like we get to view what it's like. And there's this almost like the sisterhood of um, empowering each other that's going on that I honestly wouldn't have thought of. Because again, of the socially social um, image that we've been given that it's that it's dark, that it's seedy, that women are you know just in it for the money or whatever, or men are just in it for the sex. Yeah, can you explain uh, what that was like for you among those sisters? Mm, that is another thing I deeply miss, especially in these past over six months being here in Costa Rica, writing out this quarantine. Uh, the sisterhood, yeah. I did mention um, in the end of my book, very specific women that I connected with that we just, everything really resonated. Um, But there was one specific club that I worked at in the San Francisco Bay area that was close to my home where these women were working at this club for quite a long time. Some women had been at this club for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So they had become really close. It was a really tight knit circle of women and it wasn't possible to be there and not support each other because it would just, we had a tiny little dressing room we were in and it was, we needed to support each other basically. And it felt so much better and everyone did better. And the, we made more money and the clients left happier. It, it just worked better to work together. Um, and it was just so much more fun. And that's definitely not something that I thought was possible when I first started dancing. And that wasn't really there either. When I first started dancing there, the women were really, you know, they would isolate themselves from each other. 
Um, mm. So that was unique, actually, that I found that. And it was something that I strive for. It was my intention. I started serving combo, uh, which I can explain a little bit in a second. But I started serving combo to some of the women. And then they would tell each other. And they'd come to work with these markings on them from receiving this medicine. And um, <laughs> I started bringing them together like that. And they were like, oh, we, we can feel better and then we do better at work. And it was just this whole elevating thing. It was like, yeah, full on sisterhood. How can we support each other to be better and do better? Mm. And, and you just touched on something there in that sentence. You said, we can feel better and we can work better. So, uh, so a relationship between how we feel in our body and how we can show up in life or show up in this, um, even in our sexuality. That is huge for me. That is my whole mission with my work. Um, and why, <laughs> why I've branded the pure way, because I really believe in purifying this vessel so that we can truly experience this life fully experience more pleasure. And just when we are mindful of, of that, just well-being in that way, it extends, yeah, it, every area of life is uplifted, definitely sex and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that that's wisdom that every person on this you know, who's listening to the show right now can take away with them, you know, taking care of this body, this vessel that carries us and expresses for us and how that you know, does translate into our ability to become fully expressed and especially around sexuality. And that, you know, as we're thinking about our audience here, how can they, what are some things that they can learn from you as this, you know, sensual seductive expert <laughs> and, uh-huh. and to be able to carry it on into their everyday lives or with their partners at home? Yeah, just to, to go on that same thread, um, the, the mindfulness of everything that you're putting in on and around your body is affecting the way that you're experiencing life, um, your connection with others and how well you do in, in whatever endeavor it is. Um, I really am a huge advocate for, I guess another way to say it is holistic living. Mm. I believe that a, a great deal of the way that I experienced dancing and stripping was it, it was a result of the way that I was living my life. And that was really being mindful of all, you know, exactly what I just mentioned, holistic living and also promoting that in the club and being an advocate for that among the girls, among the women, and even the clientele that would come in and they'd say, Hey, what do you, what is that jar you're carrying around? And like, what is that stuff floating in it? And I'm like, it's spring water with pieces of organic ginger in it. <laughs> it was just like this opportunity to teach. Yeah. They're like, that's not vodka. That's not... <laughs> It would blow people's minds. They're like, you don't want to drink? I'm like, no, I have a jar of spring water. And it's like, I brought it with me. Yeah. Who would have thought? Like, let me take care of myself, you know, versus inhibit everything that is in my, in my brain or in my body or make myself feel inflamed or achy and, and not feel good. It's, it's, wow. You want to feel, 
you want to feel? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, it, it had all been, every moment was this incredible opportunity to, to shift people's perspectives. Like, no, I don't need to have a drink to be here. I want to be fully present because this is fun and I'm enjoying myself and this feels good. This feels good. And so there is a statement right there of empowerment of, I want to be here. I enjoy this. This feels good. Absolutely. I love dancing. I love performing. I love meeting new people and interacting and teaching them things and learning from them. And also I'm a sensual being. I like touch. And if somebody is invited to touch me in a way that I appreciate it, like give me a shoulder massage. Yeah, do it and do it right. And Mm. we can both enjoy this because of course that happens every night that I worked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's a really claiming of your own pleasure and and permission to allow yourself to enjoy and to be in pleasure where, you know, in society, there's so many messages that make us, can make us anxious around pleasure, or we doubt ourselves or, or we say, oh, I can't, I don't deserve pleasure. I can't have pleasure. I can't have this type of pleasure or sexual pleasure is dangerous. How did you make that, that shift? Or how did you um, or what would you say to, to people out there who, are, who might be in that mindset? What I thought of right away while you were speaking is being in the club and enjoying or receiving pleasure from the clientele touching me or just interacting with them. And, oh, it's a, a business transaction or something like that. And I'm just working and I shouldn't enjoy that. And there was mm. a struggle for me getting to that place where I, I thought it was okay, where I actually received and allowed and said, okay, this feels good and I'm okay with this and I'm asking for this. Um, and I think that can translate into, into life outside of the club. We we experience pleasure because we're meant to experience pleasure. There's no reason why we shouldn't be receiving pleasure from everything and anything that we can. That's the the joy of living in a human body. I don't know anyone who would say, I don't want to feel good. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, any opportunity that I have to increase or deepen the level of pleasure that I'm experiencing in this lifetime. Yes. Hell yes. Give me more. Give me more pleasure. Yes, please. Yes, please. (laughs) Do you have any tips for anyone, um, any uh, women or men or non-gender identifying people who are interested in starting to strip for their partner or create, you know, give them, I don't know, a mind blowing lap dance. Uh, I do have a course. <laughs> you have a course that teaches this. It's a very short, digestible, easy. It's it's a ten minute course. Not my Amazing. course. Where I offer a lap dance, which I'm I'm calling a tantric lap dance, and then I walk through everything I did in slow motion and narrate. So. Wow. There's the course. And then also just turn on some sexy music and put on some sexy clothes and really just get into your body. Feel yourself. Touch yourself. And 
really enjoy it and find where the pleasure is and go into that place. Yeah. And breathe. Right. I always breathe. Oh my God. I remember the first time that I gave a partner a lap dance. I was so nervous and I was like in my head, but he really, really wanted it. And so picked out this song and I don't even remember what it was, but it was something probably like really cheesy. (laughs) And I, and before I went in, I just dropped into my breath and just relaxed my belly and just started breathing and dropped my head back and allowed my head to roll. And instantly I was in the mindset of what I was about to do. It was like almost instantaneous, but I think it was getting past that visceral clenching of my body, you know, that was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this, you know? And then, uh, and then just like you said, dropping in. Beautiful articulation. I love that. Okay. My next course, we're teaching it together. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Sex of yoga and the pure way. <laughs> teaching you how to, how to give tantric lap dances. You heard it here first. <laughs> Here's the teaser. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, um, y- you know, there's, so as we've been talking about the, you know, shifting this image and, and um, what your personal experience has been, I wonder if there's one myth that you would like to bust about sex work for those out there. Hmm. I think that simply it's something we mentioned that women who are in sex work are not empowered and that they're, you know, traumatized or they have daddy issues. Everyone's heard that one. I think that so many women in the sex industry, strippers, specifically many that I met are super empowered women. They are badass women. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for, for changing our minds and expanding our viewpoints on this ancient practice, this ancient profession for everyone. Um, I also have questions from our listeners. So if for those of you who've been following me on Instagram at sex, love yoga, I take followers questions and put them to my guest experts for them to answer for you, because this is your show. I want to keep it your show and turning to that first question is how do you protect your energy and how do you deal with invasive energy that's put towards you? Hmm. I love this question because I, speak about it a lot. It's something that I was actually speaking about just a few days ago um, with my stepson and not specifically in the strip club, but he knows all of that. Stay tuned. And he said, you know, I keep meeting these people that are just, you know, I have these issues with them or whatever. And I said, you know, you're, you're magnetizing to you whatever you're putting off. So it goes for the strip club too, being in the strip club, grounding myself and really like calibrating my own energy and being in alignment with myself doesn't allow anything to come in that isn't in alignment. It's very rare now. Maybe in the beginning, there was a lot of that before I really knew how to ground myself. But now just tuning into myself and staying disciplined with my own practices outside of the club doesn't allow for that to come in. Mm -hmm. So your practices of yoga and your practices of, um, you said combo and stuff like that. Yeah. And honestly, just 
being healthy <laughs> and healthy yeah. and fe- feeling really clear and good and taking care of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So self-care um, helps you to create that boundary between you and another person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question. How does being a sex worker impact your dating and relationship life? Ooh. So good. I was married basically the entire time that I was an exotic dancer. Um, I started when I was 22 and I met my husband when I was 22 as well, much later in that year. Um, And we just separated last year. So basically the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I have a new partner who is just so incredibly supportive of everything and sexually liberated and open and they exist. Mm -hmm. So was (laughs) your first uh, relationship supportive of the sex work that you did? We went through waves, but I'd have to say that he was supportive in the way that he was my, my greatest teacher and my greatest coach and taught me so many things about the industry and the business and really how to make it a business and how to uphold myself in that environment. So I have to say, yes, he was super supportive in that way. There were waves where it was like, wow, you're dressing up all sexy and going out and seducing men and then you know you come home and you want to like cuddle with me and watch a movie in your pjs <laughs> he's like can i get a show so there was a little bit of that mm-hmm. sure yeah so finding that balance of how can i be both of these both of these at you know at home which actually that that makes me think how do you if you how do you integrate that sexual part of you in outside of that world is it difficult to bring that back home then or? I feel like I'm always in that space. Like I can turn on in a second and I love being in that erotic, seductive energy. And, you know, my, my stripper self, Ava. Oh, Ava. Her name was Ava and Ava can exist anywhere. It doesn't just need to be in the strip club. And the more that I integrated that piece of myself and really claimed that me working in the club was my feminine empowerment, the easier it was to, you know, me as me inside and me outside of the club. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're not separating those two personas. Yeah. There was a time. (laughs) There's been a lot of work. I can imagine. Yeah. And you, and yeah, it really lends to um, the work that you've done for yourself to, you really show it in the way that you present yourself, they hold yourself, you speak about yourself and um, it's very inspiring. Thank you. So last question is, um, I'm nervous about introducing stripping or a lap dance with my husband. <laughs> Tips on getting over the nervousness. Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, I'm sure that they are intimate and playful. So, you know, before lovemaking, sort of calling that in, maybe, you know, having a song on and doing a little bit of movement or like just a little bit slower with removing the clothes, like adding in a little bit of seduction there and just like sprinkling it in because everybody says yes to that. Everybody says yes to a lap dance. 
never had anyone say no. You've never had anybody say no to a lap dance? That's no. that's a, that's a really good point to to think about. Like <laughs> we get in our heads and we're afraid of the rejection and we're afraid of that they'll think that we're weird or that we're acting like that we're not sexy, but everybody likes a good lap dance. Everybody likes a good lap dance. That energy is for everyone. That playful, seductive energy is I've never found it. Um, never found an opposition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You heard that from the expert. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. Lana, this was brilliant. I loved, I love connecting with you. I love hearing about all of your wisdom. I wonder if there's anything that you would like to, to end on w- sharing with the, the, with our listeners right now. I would say that all of our, our processes, our practices and all the environments that we that we grace in life can, there is an opportunity for empowerment and finding the light in anything we do. So I think that's what, what I would leave with is just like, where can we uplift in every situation and every facet of life? Um, because if I found a way to do it in a place where there's so much stigma that everything is wrong, I think it can, it can happen anywhere. Mm, beautifully said. And how can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, I am found on Instagram all the time, but lanashay.com, L-A-N-A-S-H-A-Y.com is my website. And then on Instagram, I'm the pure way. Mm, There you go. Thank you so much for joining me today. Mm, Thank you so much. And lovers, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com and subscribe to the show, share with your friends, and grab your sexy guides. My goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. I'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Want to hear a couple air out their dirty laundry, talk about taboo topics, and share their hot takes on what's happening in the world? Well, OK Babe is the perfect podcast for you to get a glimpse into the unfiltered lives of Kelly and Connor. They're passionate about squashing shame and having honest conversations about what's happening within their relationship and how they navigate communication and sex. It's explicit and raw, and they're ready for you. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe now. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.